Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Less than three weeks until the new season fires up and the Reds already have a couple of pre-season games under their belts. So how will Darwin Nunes change the Liverpool dynamic? Could Harvey Elliott play a bigger role this season? That plus James's exclusive interviews with Fabinho and the Liverpool chief executive, Billy Hogan. And the Liverpool women's manager, Matt Beard, will join me to preview the Reds' return to the WSL. Now, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool and everything on the site. There's loads on there if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Right now, there's a special price, a pound a month for six months if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall and I'm joined by James Pearce and Liverpool writer Chris McLaughlin on today's uh, Red Agenda. Welcome both, James. You're still getting your head back into the uh, the normal life here after travelling back from that early bit of the pre-season tour. And actually, you've got to commend you, you came straight back and went to a wedding. <laughs> so uh, you've certainly put the shift in. How, how was that whirlwind week? Yeah, 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 it was great, thank you. Yeah, yeah it was, um, yeah, I think uh, I've been lucky enough to be going on those tours. I think 2009 was my first one at the Echo. And uh, yeah, it, it never kind of ceases to amaze just the the huge pull of Liverpool Football Club all across the world. And when you see, you know, 50-odd thousand watching the game in, in Bangkok, similar number again in in Singapore, it just drives home how much it means to to so many people. I think it, the tour ticked a hell of a lot of boxes. I think, um, of course, it was the first time Liverpool had been on tour since 2019 because of the pandemic. You know, certainly financially, it was very lucrative. I think... Um, I think the games served the purpose. Obviously, Klopp used them as, um, you know, as an extension of training, really, rather than, you know, as he always does with the preseason games, rather than, it be, you know, caring whatsoever about the outcome outcome of them results wise. I think for the young players that were involved, you know, kind of life experiences that they'll never forget. Important for senior stars to get minutes under their belt, and you know, probably the only downside was, you know, some of the injuries that I'm sure we'll we'll come on to because. Um, yeah, I think probably inevitably when you're in such an intense period in terms of the training, you're bound to pick up a few issues here and there. And um, so obviously a few things there to for the, the the physio guys to get stuck into this week before, you know, the next leg of pre-season starts after Liverpool play play Leipzig on, on Thursday. They, they then um, go to Austria for a week. Yeah, a couple of goals against um, Crystal Palace in, in Singapore. So Mo and, and Jordan Henderson on target. What what have you made, Chris, of the two performances? I mean, obviously, it, it is a fitness exercise. Yeah, I, I think like James said, it's just about getting players on the pitch and giving them a bit of fitness exercise. And I mean, if you think back to, to last season in pre-season, we actually played two 30-minute friendlies just to give the players a run out. And, and Klopp treated that Man United game in the same way. 
he wasn't really bothered who the opposition were and, and how strong Eric Ten Hag had, had put his team out, which he was always likely to do because it is his first game, you know, as Manchester United manager in pre-season and he, he needs to stamp his authority on that squad and work out for himself what they're going to do. But, but for Klopp, he just treated it as three 30-minute runs out for his players. And, you know, we'd use like 30-odd players over the course of the 90 minutes. So I don't think you can look at the performance or the results in, in any way and, and make any judgment on what's to follow. Inevitably, social media, the way it is, overanalyzes and looks at Darwin Nunes missing a late chance and he's already getting loads of stick after just 30 minutes of his, his Liverpool career. But ultimately, that's nonsense. You know, the, Nobody sort of looked at the chance that he had and David De Gea saved and he did all right in the other friendly against Palace. So... I think you've not got to overanalyze pre-season games, certainly the, the early ones when it's a, a proper mix and, and match lineup, because chances are that the lineups that were fielded in those, certainly in the three thirty minute period against Man United, we won't see whatsoever during the course of the, the actual season. I think we've seen enough so far to suggest it he'll be all right. I was I was intrigued a little bit, James, by some of the quotes um which people can read on, on your article on the Athletic about Darwin. So Jurgen said I've got an idea in terms of how we want to play, but I don't want to say right now and do it like this. Almost suggesting that he has an idea of how he'd like Darwin to fit into this side, but he's not going to preempt it in case something else works and actually it all just seals together in a different way that produces the goods for Liverpool. Yeah, well, I think also, you know, in that in that same interview, he talked about how he, he likes the idea that that Liverpool are going to be, he thinks, harder to kind of figure out this season for opponents when you're analysing them because, you know, he referred back to, you know, that long extended period where, you know, when teams were doing their analysis, you kind of knew that it would be, you know, Salah, Mane, Firmino. And he, and he said, you know, of course, I've got an idea over, you know, how things will look this season. But the beauty of it is that, He's got all kinds of different combinations that could work there. And then I think you also throw into the mix. I think he was also referring to the fact we don't still don't really know, you know, how quickly Darwin Nunes will get to where Klopp needs him to be. So, Klopp, you know, Klopp was saying, you know, you know, no need to decide now whether Darwin Nunes is going to be ready to start against Fulham on the opening weekend. And it's kind of like, you know, the no pressure. People are obviously, because of the, the price tag and all the rest of it, there'll be like a, you know, a big spotlight on him. But we know with Klopp when, you know, you, you think back to Fabino's early months, Andy Robertson's, you know, if it takes a bit of time, then so be it. You know, he won't, there's, you know, they, they've bought such a long-term investment in Darwin Nunes. And he is going to change the way Liverpool play, I think, just because of his skill set. And um, it's probably inevitable that you're going to get sniping primarily from fans of rival clubs. And, you know, we've all seen the little video clips of him not, taking chances on the tour and stuff but that you know it's, the reality is that I, I you know being there for both games I, I saw a lot to be positive about about Darwin Nunes I thought you know I, I love how dynamic he is and that ability to burst in behind I think you know it gives it gives Liverpool that chance to hit teams I think quicker as well with those you know we you saw you know especially in that first game against United in Bangkok you know the how quickly Alexander Arnold and Robertson were looking up and looking for those balls in behind, and even against even against Palace, you know, as much as it would have been great for Nunes to get a goal, just because you know, then it kind of takes takes that kind of that discussion away. But 
you know, I, I, I thought he looked good. I thought he, he was always on the move, always finding little bits of space. And that's only going to grow and improve as he gets to know these players more and more because, you know, it's the reality is he's I mean, he's only effectively been a Liverpool player for a week at the moment. You know, he only had that tour. He hadn't trained beforehand. And, and as we said last week, you know, he, even then at the start of the tour, he was hampered by the blisters issue on his on his feet. So it's, I think I'm sure he'll go to the next level again, you know, during time in, in Austria, where, you know, I think that's the part of pre-season that Klopp looks forward to the most because, you know, you don't have all the kind of fanfare around and all the commercial stuff and the sponsors and the media stuff that you get with an overseas tour. You know, Klopp always talks about the camps in Austria being my time and, um, you know, that will enable them to, I think, to do a lot more work with Nunes. Yeah, I agree. We've seen some really positive aspects. If you, if you could cast your mind forward, Chris, and you're writing a programme halfway through this season, a Liverpool home programme, what do you think you'll be saying about Darwin Nunes and the way he's settled in? I think the first thing I'll be saying is I hope he comes back from the World Cup fully fit because we've got the World Cup <laughs> yes. halfway through the season. And you know what? Internationals are like the Liverpool players coming back, um, coming, coming back injured. I agree with James in that. I don't necessarily think he'll be the first name on, on the team sheet during the first half of the season. Klopp's got good options with, with Mo Salah and Luis Diaz and, and Bobby Firmino and it's just a bit of a shame that Diego Jota's injured because if you remember last season, he, he started last season on fire really. He, he was often scoring the opening goals in, in you know in the, the games early on in the season and he, he does run into streaks of goal scoring Jota and I think if his hamstring injury is worse than we're all hoping for. It is a blow to, to lose him. And then there would be a bit more onus on Darwin Nunes to, to play more and, and to start well. Um, people will look at the price tag. Because the community shields first, there's clearly going to be comparisons between Nunes and, and Erling Braut Haaland because people see him as the next sort of world superstar who's, who's come to the Premier League and there's high expectations on him coming into the Manchester City side. So Nunes, because he's a player who predominantly plays for the middle as well, similar stature in terms of the physiques, the, the comparisons are there for, for people to make and people have got to cut him a little bit of slack, I think, in, in that sense, in that he's, he's been playing in the Portuguese League, which isn't as strong as the German League. Before last season, I would say not as many people knew as much about him. I think it was the way he predominantly played in the Champions League that really caught people's eyes. And, and let's not forget, he played really well twice against Liverpool. He was probably, other than Kevin De Bruyne, the, the best opponent Liverpool played against last season, in my eyes. Um, and he scored home and away against the Reds, which not many players do in a, in a season when Jurgen Klopp's been in charge. So I think he, he could be a slow burner. That he will start some games, he'll be on the bench in others, could even be a little bit of an impact player for a while. And one thing we, we also got to remember is he brings added height to the Liverpool forward line. And when you look at the ability of, of Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson, even Costas Simicast to cross the ball, I think he's going to be invaluable getting on the end of some of those crosses, not just in open play, but also the free kicks and the, the corners that our players are capable of, of whipping in. And I expect certainly a portion of his goals to come from set pieces and, and, and crosses and give Liverpool a different threat and a different presence in, in the box that way So many options going forward we touched didn't we James a couple of podcasts ago on, on Carvalho and, and Harvey Elliott and, and Harvey's done himself no harm with his couple of pre-season performances and you know I, I know you've spoken to him a few times he, he's chomping at the bit isn't he he's, he's ready to make a bit of a statement in this first team 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And um, yeah, I think he probably had the the biggest grin of the lot when he was. They were doing that lap of honour in 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 Singapore on um, on Friday evening before the the squad flew back because you you could tell he he just he had the absolute time of his life on that trip. Yeah, I spoke to him. I spoke to him in Bangkok, and he was he was talking about how he you know he'd cut short his summer break to spend more time in the gym and he said he he had a target that he wanted to reach in terms of shifting a bit of weight just you know he said you know he feels leaner and and sharper than he ever he ever has done and I, I think Harvey Elliott was you know if you were if you were doing kind of like hits and misses or you know big pluses or minuses of the tour he would be right near the top of the list in terms of the the pluses because um yeah for all the talk about where the clock needs to go and get a midfielder. And I think people who worry about the lack of options in midfield, and I, I can see the argument, but I think a lot of people underestimate what kind of a role Harvey Elliott's going to have this season and, and what Klopp sees him contributing to the calls. Because, um, you know, he, he, let's not forget, you know, rewind a year and he was, you know, reinvented as a centre midfielder and starting Premier League games on merit before that horrendous injury. And, and he did, you know, remarkably well to get back. What was it, you know, sometime in February? But he was, I think, it was always going to be this season when he was able to get back to to where he was at in terms of levels. And um, yeah, he was a big, big plus. And I, I, I put Fabio Carvalho probably in the same bracket as well because obviously we were talking before about you know Nunes needing needing a little bit of time and how that's completely and utterly understandable and what a big transformation it is for him with you know a new country new language new style of play but Fabio Cavallio looks looked to me on that tour like he'd been a Liverpool player for for months and months he um I thought he made a really positive impression in both games you can tell just from watching training how quickly he's settled in and seems a popular kid that the senior players have taken to already yeah I think I think Elliot and Carvalho are going to be really really exciting to watch this season With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, let's go to uh, to Liverpool's midfield. Get your thoughts, um, Chris, on Liverpool's midfield for the coming season. James done an interview with Fabinho, which we'll talk to him about in a second or two. But just how integral is he, do you think, to this, this Liverpool side and, and moving ahead now? He's absolutely integral to this Liverpool side. I mean, for me, he's the best in his position in the world. An absolute key member in, in the spine of that Liverpool team with Van Dijk behind him and Alisson in goal. I think when he's missing, Liverpool struggle more defensively. 
The bigger question, Steve, is who else plays in the midfield with, with Fabinho for me. People are concerned that maybe the years are catching up with one or two players. Can Milner, can Henderson go around again? Can Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita stay fit for a full season? Can Curtis Jones step up and have more of an end product? Lots of encouraging signs from Curtis, I think, but he has to add a few more assists and, and goals to his games this season. Fabio Cavallo, I think he's really exciting. I love the way he linked with Luis Diaz in the Man United game for that opening half hour on the left. I think there's a little bit of Patino about him, just the way he can sort of travel with the ball and dip his shoulder and link the play. Um, not, it's not. A, I wouldn't say it's a direct comparison, but there's elements of him, and I can see why Klopp would like that type of player in the squad. Harvey Elliott, as you know, James has just spoke about, clearly a talented player. Needs to stay fit. Can he avoid the bad luck of last season? And if he gets his chance, he's, he's clearly capable of taking it. But you go through all those names, and the one player who is the first on the team sheet in the midfield, and you would play every week if he if he's fit enough, is Fabinho. Obviously, I've not mentioned Thiago there, and what the best role is for him. Again, an, another player who does pick up some injuries, but when he's in the team, is an absolute joy to watch. I mean. You've seen a guy pass the ball like him with the, the disguise on the passes and you know the no-look passes and all the rest of it. So you, you start going through those names then and then you start thinking, hang on, we, we've not got some some bad players there and we, we've got some you know a good mixture of experience and, and proven trophy-winning players and some good, talented, ex- exciting youngsters. And I, I can see why people think we maybe need something else, a Jude Bellingham. He's going to be linked with Liverpool until he finally moves somewhere, whether it's to, to Anfield or not, because he's, he's immensely talented. But if you're Jürgen Klopp and you're, you're looking at those options and, crucially, they all stay fit and give competition for, for places, and I don't think too badly off, but ultimately, the one name he will always have on that team sheet, certainly for all the big games and other than when he needs to rest him, is Fabinho. Yeah, and what a journey he's been on, James. It must have been great to sit down with him and, and talk through why he's settled in so quickly at Liverpool and, and why he almost feels like a bit of a scouser himself now. He's, he's, he's very much at the heart of that, that Liverpool team, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Actually, it was the first time I've had the chance to, to do a proper interview with him since he, since he joined four years ago. There's been a, a few times in that period when there's been a, you know, a, a few short interviews with with the translator but um yeah that was the first time kind of one to one he's you know his, his english is you know is absolutely impeccable now and yeah he's you know he's a really engaging fascinating character really and even I would, actually when I was waiting to speak to him in the team hotel in singapore pep linders wandered over and he was he he was interested to know who, who I was there to speak to and I, when i mentioned fabino he was he he was saying you know what what a player he was saying you know he said, you know, it's like there's a Liverpool team with Fabinho and then we're a different team without him, which you know, is probably the ultimate tribute in terms of just how influential he is. Because you know, I think you only have to rewind to the, the season before last when he filled in as a as a makeshift centre-back and, and did very well in that position. But um, it completely wrecked the, the structure and stability of the whole team because... You know he is so important as as that holding midfielder at the at, at the base of Klopp's midfield three. Yeah, you can tell that he he sees Liverpool very much as as home now. You know he's been been here four years. You know, he's, you know when you, when you think where where he's come from in terms of you know those early months when he didn't even make the bench at times, and I think it was late October before he made his full league debut for the club in that first season and. 
And then, you know, how integral he was in winning the Champions League, the Premier League, you know, the Club World Cup and everything Liverpool have done since. So, yeah, we covered a whole host, host of topics, really, from, you know, trying and not being able to, sadly, convince Sadio Mane to stick around, to to going out of his way to trying to help Darwin Nunes settle because, um, you know, he, he said he, you know, he thinks back to just how important uh, Roberto Firmino and Alberto Moreno were in his early months and how difficult that that adaptation period can be. So he said, you know, he always goes out of his way to to try and help new signings. And um, yeah, he was laughing about, you know, he's had a few nicknames during his time at the club, but, but Flacco, uh, Spanish for skinny, seems to be the one that stuck, that, that ah. Virgil van Dijk came up with. And he was saying that the um, he thinks that's pretty much what he's going to be known as universally now, because um, he said with Fabio Carvalho coming in, it had become quite confusing in training with, People shouting Fab and and Fabio and him turning around when they meant him. So he said the boys had said to him, right, you know, Fab, you you can't be, fa- you, you know, you are just Flacco now. Um, but yeah, he's he's a laid back guy, Fabino, and he said he, he's happy with that. Flacco, I love it, and I also like the fact that his wife used to be a, a pro footballer, indeed a very high level footballer. So there's a bit in your piece talking about how he says that she always says he plays well, but he looks at her face and sort of has an idea, James, as to, as to whether or not he has played well in a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rebecca has been, um, he, he, he talked in depth actually, like just how important she's been you know, in, his, in, his, in his kind of rise into you know, the complete holding midfielder because they, they met when he, was, when he was playing for Real Madrid reserves and you know, he only had that, I think, one brief outing for the first team at the Bernabeu under Mourinho. And then it was only really once he, he moved on to Monaco that his career really took off. And um, yeah, she was playing for Monaco women's team at the time. And then when he came to Liverpool, she trained with Liverpool women for a period before deciding that, you know, no, she, I think, devote her efforts to, you know, she, she goes to the vast majority of the, of the Liverpool games to watch Fabino and, and cheer him on. And um, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're obviously massively excited at the minute because they're expecting their first child in January, a little boy on the way. So he was talking about how he would, you know, the, his teammates have been winding him up, telling him, you know, you need to get, get get your time on the PlayStation in now and get your sleep in now because you won't, there won't, there won't, there won't be any of that come come January. So um, yeah, it's a hell of a year for him coming up, really. When you think, obviously, there's the the challenge of of trying to compete for the biggest prize with Liverpool. Then you've got you know, the World Cup with Brazil and Qatar um, before Christmas and then and then fatherhood and coming back and, and a big second half of the season when we all hope that Liverpool will be right in the mix again. So um, he was really, really great company. And again, I think it's another example of, it kind of shows that, you know, Liverpool don't just sign, you know, elite players. They also do a hell of a lot of, you know, due diligence into the kind of people they're bringing in because... Um, you know, you can you can understand why Fabino is such a such a popular guy because you know for someone so impressive, you know he, he's also in, incredibly grounded and, and humble as well. I mean, as a squad, they seem to be mates, Chris. I, I'm just I was looking at pictures yesterday. Was that Andy Robertson's wedding? Was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't get an invite, and uh, we did Andy's booking <laughs> a few years back. So it's a bit weird. <laughs> If you look at that, the number of people who, you know, the lads who were there, and obviously they've had a few days' break since coming back from the, the, the tour, um, it just shows the togetherness and how, how these boys are in it together. And, you know, I grew up in a time in the 80s when Kenny Dalglish was manager, and it, that team seemed to have the same 
type of thing about them. They, you know, they didn't just play football together, they socialised together. And Steve, you know, John Aldridge well, and he, he like socialising together with Big Jan and, and all the rest of them. And it's a different way of socialising now and a different way of being mates as a football. You, you know, you don't go down the pub on a Thursday afternoon for 10 pints or whatever, like, like it used to be on the 80s. But you, you, you become close in other ways. And it's a multilingual squad as well. You know, you're talking about a lot of guys from a lot of different countries who've who've made friends with friends for life I would say looking at the closeness between them um, from different backgrounds different countries different clubs different experiences and that ultimately for me underpins a, a team success that if you've got a harmonious squad off the pitch and you know lads getting on together and you can have a laugh together and there's no no real troublemakers in the squad you know if you look at, at Liverpool's past and not long before Jurgen Klopp came in, you've got a guy like Mario Balotelli in the squad who was a troublemaker, a known troublemaker and, and somebody who could, you know, have spats and fallouts and, and issues and Liverpool don't really seem to have had that under Klopp and almost if he's got a sense that anybody would be like that, he A, doesn't sign them or B, moves them on. Um, and I, I think it is it is crucial for the way this team performed because the way they have to play in terms of the pressing and the work rate and, and stuff like that, you, you all go or no one goes when, when you're pressing in, in this system and you need to have each each other's backs and I, and I think this team do. Absolutely, one unit, isn't it? Uh, let's finally talk with you two, or we'll go to you, James, to talk about the, the new sponsorship between Liverpool and Standard Charter. So they're going to continue the partnership. I think a few weeks ago we didn't think that would be the case. Um, what, what underpins this deal and what are the figures that go around it? Yeah, it had been a long, a long drawn out process, Steve, that obviously we reported on on The Athletic. And I think the, the renewal kind of uh, process started in, in January, led by CEO Billy Hogan. And you know, I think it was probably early April we did, did a, a news story saying that Standard Chartered at that point were ready to kind of walk away when the current deal ended in 2023. Didn't feel that the numbers that were being talked about, they, they were going to be in a position to to renew. Liverpool went out into the market. Obviously, we did another story then a couple of weeks, I think, after that, talking about how they'd they'd held, held talks with, a, you know, companies across a whole range of sectors, including crypto, um, and that that was a, a serious possibility. And then, yeah, it was it was only really in the last couple of weeks that I think you know once Standard Chartered, obviously it was crunch time really for them in terms of having to make a a final decision. And I think you know they they obviously decided that they had to stump up what was needed to um, to keep this contract. And you can understand why when you you know you think of the the exposure that being Liverpool shirt sponsor gives you and. I think especially at a time as well when Liverpool were going to the Far East and, um, you know, obviously it's a huge market for Standard Chartered Singapore especially. So it was almost the perfect spot for them to maximise it, to, to, to sign the renewal there as they did last week. And, yeah, although, you know, figures on both sides have been adamant that, you know, they're not going to not gonna divulge the numbers that it's confidential. We know that the... the the previous deal, well, the current, still, sorry, still the current deal because the new deal doesn't kick in for twelve months. But the current deal is worth forty million a year. You know, I think I think it's fair to to say that this one is, you know, it was it was described as a significant increase to me. So you're looking at fifty million plus 
which you know for the, for four years up to the end of the 26-27 season is you know a cash injection of 200 million quid so um for a club with a self-sustaining business model you know that that kind of revenue stream is is huge and um obviously did take a while but you know i think from from sitting down and speaking to billy hogan in 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 bangkok you know you could tell that he was he was very, very pleased with the way it, it all panned out in the end. Yeah, you can read all about it on The Athletic now. James done a piece uh, on that. And just on kits, what did you make of the away kit, Chris? I, personally, I love it. Psychedelic. I know there's those who won't like it or say it messes with your eyes. Yeah, um, I'm one of those people. Um, not, not massively yeah. keen on it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Liverpool playing in a white away strip with black shorts or white and red socks. Be traditionalists, be like AC Milan, oh, they always have an all like to wait kit. And then do what you want with the third kit. Go for it, other than blue. <laughs> like we're not going royal blue, we're not talking that, but any other colour, <laughs> change that every year. But Liverpool should be all red, white, black, white, red, and any what any colour you can pick from. Have, you know, put it on the roulette wheel and see what you come with with the with the third kit for, for all I care. But I'm not I'm not a fan of this psychedelic look. All right. Chris No Frills McLaughlin and James. What do we think, James? I'm, I'm you were you there in the stadium. I'll, I'll, oh really? I'm on my yeah, own. I, but then I'm I'm middle aged and quite boring, Steve. I'm not sure these <laughs> these kit designs are aimed at people like me. I think we're all middle-aged and quite boring. Let's see how, what we think of it in a couple of months' time. Uh, Chris McLaughlin, James Pierce, brilliant. Thank you very much. James has done some great pieces online. You can read them now. Standard Chartered, his interview with Fabinho as well. Uh, this is The Red Agenda. And very shortly, we'll be catching up with the Liverpool women's manager, Matt Beard. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn. So it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, time to focus in on Liverpool women on the red agenda. What an incredible season it was uh, last year. Phenomenal. The run they went on to win the championship, to get promotion back to the top flight. Uh, And the man at the helm, of course, is the manager, Matt Beard, who joins us now. Uh, Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. Um, Lovely to see you. And I know... But we reflected during an event over the the summer about memories of the season and and how it finished. Well, what's the big standout thing for you? Was that was that bus parade really something off the charts for you, Matt? Yeah, I think that was, um, I guess, the icing on the cake really for us. Um, you know, the run that we put together, um, the highs and the lows that we had as a group, and to celebrate with. With the city was was an unbelievable feeling and experience, and it's something that will live with me and my family forever. I mean, everyone knows your story. You were at Liverpool before. You went away. You tried different clubs, different challenges. Your heart's 
back here, you've come back and you've done it again. Could you have imagined that you could have just repeated that success, Matt? I don't know. It was when I was in talks and speaking to the family about coming back, I'd always followed the club, obviously, when I was away. And um, it was it was tough to see what was happening. And um, it's always a risk when you go back somewhere, you know. And um, I'm just glad the risk paid off. And um, I felt we could have won the league with a squad that we had. But it's, it's easier than said than done. You've still got to turn up week in, week out and perform. And I think the, the biggest and earliest learning curve for me last year was... Um, was how tough the division was. And if you look at how we started the division, and I know we had a disruptive pre-season, but um, that, that's not an excuse for how we started. But we learnt very quickly, and I learnt very quickly with the support of Amber and Maka and all the other staff. And we put that run together. And it was just giving the girls a little bit of belief and allowing them to be themselves and express themselves, which, which really set us on our way. Sport soon keeps you grounded, doesn't it? And the problem with success is it, it then breeds expectation, doesn't it? I suppose that the biggest thing is you're taking a lot of confidence from that championship season. Yeah, no, 100%. We, we, we were saying in training this week that last year we had a lot of the ball, um, so we could work on numerous different ways of, of, of playing with the ball. We sort of neglected the defending to a certain extent because we was always playing up against a team that was had nine or ten bodies behind the ball. So that was great for me because we've had a really good education with different ways of playing. Um, now we need to really focus on the defensive side and make sure that structurally we're, we're tough to beat. Then that will enable us to, to play the football that we played last year. But we're looking forward to division. We know it's going to be a challenge. We know it's a completely different animal in comparison to the championship. Um, but I'm confident with the recruitment. I'm confident with the education that we had as a group last year. You know, that we could go in that division and compete and we can do well. How much of a step up is it then? You know, for those perhaps who don't watch women's football week in, week out, how much of a difference will the championship to the WSL be for your team? I, I, I think it's pretty much now like the men's Premier League when you go from the championship into the Premier League. We've looked at the division, we've analysed you know, the top three, mid-table and the bottom two, looking at numbers and how they played, etc. But Aston Villa and Leicester that have gone up over the last two, three years have struggled. I feel we're in a better place than what they maybe were going up just because of the the squad that we have at Liverpool. And we've added experienced players to that already talented squad. But the gap's big. I mean, look, we want to be as competitive as we can. We want to be as successful as we can. But we have to understand that you know, it's, it's, it's a different league and we've been at that league for two years now and each year every team's got stronger, every team's got better and the quality of the product's got better as well. So it's going to be exciting for people to come and watch us, especially at Prenton Park. You know, you're going to be watching some of the world's best players, whether that's for Liverpool or for, for an opposing team. But the, the, gap, the gap's got bigger over the last few years. So, look, I, I understand the league, I know the league better than anyone, but I'm confident that we can do well this year. Yeah, you'll need experience and they don't come much more than one of your new signings in Shanice uh, van der Sanden, who left five years ago. Wow, she's achieved something since that time, hasn't she? Multiple Champions League wins. Yeah, my first conversation with Shanice was, um, we were just laughing for about 25, 30 minutes. We just hit it off. Um, you know, she's had a rough year last year at, at Wolfsburg with injury and the great thing for me is is when we were speaking, we had a very similar journey and a, and a similar story in the sense of we was at the club, we loved it, we both went away, I come back, now she's coming back and I was singing to her, she's coming home and... Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, she... Um, no, she's a great but she character. still came. 
What's that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I've all me, warmed up the night before I sung it. But no, listen, she, she was a great character, but but her passion and her drive is still there. And I think after having a challenging year at, at Wolfsburg, I don't think she's got a point to prove, but I think she's feel she has. So for me, we're getting someone that knows the club, knows the city, knows the league, and someone that's hungry to really do well. So for me, it's a it's, it's a win-win situation because we're getting a very talented player, but we're getting a, a player that really wants to you know, to, 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 to prove herself again. I mean, you sometimes see it in the men's game as well, don't you? But obviously, I don't, I don't want to put her in the age category of, say, James Milner. But when you add experience of a level like that, they just offer something entirely different in training, in the dressing room, in the, in the discipline and everything that goes around that team. Yeah, no, definitely. I think if you look at going to Lyon, Lyon at that time were winning absolutely everything. The French League, the French Cup, the Champions League. So to be part of that and experience that and know, you know, how to do that, not just for one year, but to do it year on year. And that's invaluable experience that can definitely help in a dressing room, maybe when we might not be in a position where we're winning games like we were last year, but we've got that experience and the know-how. And um, you can even see it on the training pitch now, the way she talks to people, the way that she's working with people and just the, the way she communicates but no, it's, it's the same as Gilly, really, like with the experience of, of the league. And, and I felt going up that we needed to make sure that, that we had players and people that knew the league and help some of the ones that haven't been in that league um, as we go. And I, and I said last year at the start, everyone will play a part and it'll be the same again this year. Whether they're playing or not playing, everyone will have a part and impact into what happens over the course of the season. You mentioned Gilly, that's Gilly Flaherty, the defender, uh, Emma... Cavisto, midfielder, um, Eartha Cummings, goalie as well. So you, you strengthen different parts of the pitch, but I would imagine you're just as happy that your sort of key components of last season, those players, are still there and tied down. Yeah, listen, that, that was so important. That was so important. And, um, you know, the players that we've added, as I said before, they, they all know the league. It's pretty much like for like with the players that went and the players coming in. Potentially, we're looking at maybe one more, but if if if, if we can't get who we want, then then we'll be patient. It might be January, but yeah, no. The, the, this, as I said before, like just coming back into training, all the work that we had to put in last year, all the learning that we had to do, it's all been done really, and we've only got to teach four or five players them learnings. And training last week, the standard was even at a higher level in the heat pre-season first week than what it was all over last season. So. I'm really excited for, for what we can achieve and, you know, as I said, everyone's come back fit, we're looking good, the football's been excellent and the intensity's been up there. So the players that have come in know the league and their experience is going to be so important for us and, you know, they've all been at clubs, you know, that have, have been at the top end or mid-table in, in, in a division. You're certainly ahead of schedule, aren't you, Matt? I, I think when you arrived, you were thinking two years for promotion? Yeah, listen, I always felt we could get promoted year one, if I'm honest, but I think... Looking at where we are as a, as as a team and the togetherness of the group, it's like we was never apart. You know, we we had a long off season because we finished on the second of May, and, we, and with the Euros and the Super League starting in September, it was like two months. But it was like we'd never been away. It was just it carried on as it was last year, and the new players have added to that as well. And it's it, it's great to see. And I think um, I think Gilly put a, a post out on social media saying about how welcome everyone made her feel. Shanice said the same on day one, like, wow, it was just amazing just to... And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing in football and, you know, that the, the players have that type of relationship, you know, in, in the dressing room. It's vitally, vitally important. But um, 
there's going to be challenges and highs and lows as we go throughout the season, but I really do feel we're in a good place, both on and off the pitch, and 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 I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be a, a really really exciting season. Starts with a bit of a bang, doesn't it? Campaign gets underway at September the 11th. That's at Reading, and then two huge home fixtures in Chelsea and Everton. Yes, um, obviously playing the champions, Chelsea are a fantastic team. I guess for us, having them at home early may be of a benefit because a lot of their players are away at the Euros and then there's a, another international window just before the season starts. So if you're going to play Chelsea any time, you know, early I think is good. But listen, they, they're a world-class team and you know they don't achieve what they've achieved over the last few years without being a good team. But it'd be exciting for the fans to see Chelsea and the champions of the championship and the WCL competing against each other. Reading to be a tough game because they're always organised. You know, Kelly does a great job there. But obviously the first thing I always looked for was the Merseyside derby and to, to be at home on the third game of the season. You know, it was it was uh you know we we, we was pleased with that. So again it's it's, it's it'll be the unknown with a new manager and they're having a lot of changes but it's a start that I'm pleased with. I think the first three games uh we can pick points up in. There's a run of games that are really tough after that and we've got a good run into Christmas. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, how it pans out coming up to the, the winter break. That derby's going to be a, be a special one, hopefully with a massive crowd as well. Just finally, a, th- a thought on the Euros and perhaps the, perhaps the knock-on effect. It's got such great profile. It's on all terrestrial TV. You've had a couple of players playing there as well. And hopefully, you know, with that interest and with that profile, it'll knock on to maybe crowd numbers for the games, you know, at Prenton Park? Yeah, no, fingers crossed it does. I think you just look at the the Dutch game yesterday, I think it's 23,000, you know, the most attended game outside of a home nation playing. So, um, yeah, I, I think it will. And I think with it being on uh, TV and the, the exposure there and us being in the top division, you know, there's a lot of players in the WSL that are playing, you know, that, that, that fans will be able to come down and see. But... Um, no, I think it will have a knock-on effect. We saw it a few years ago when we got the bronze medal in Canada, so it'd be interesting to see how far we can go this year, uh, England, um, and, and fingers crossed that, that we, we as a club and the, the players and the fans you know, get to Prenton Park and support Liverpool. Matt, great to have you on. Keep practising that, uh, that singing. I'm sure someone will ask you to do a, to do a duet sometime this season. Uh, great to have you there. Don't forget, check out The Athletic for, uh, for all the latest content on Liverpool Women. Brilliant to hear from Matt Beer. Thanks for listening to uh, today's podcast and we'll catch you again next week.